Welcome to Narrow Lanes, a show for marketers where we discuss how to always be on the offense, how to create exceptional value through a healthy mix of obsession, but also sacrifice. In this episode, I'm speaking with Brian Rowley. He is formerly a VP of marketing at Panasonic and also formerly a director of device marketing at Verizon Wireless. Today, Brian is in a CMO role at Brightsign, a global market leader in digital signage. Brian spoke with me about his fundamental belief that all marketers need to listen more to their customers. I know that we all know this, but I also think that this is something that we don't pay enough attention to. And this quote comes to mind, which is that to know and not to do is not to know. And I think this is one of those things that we know, but don't do enough of. What was the last time that you were out there talking to your customers? Really understanding if the email copy or ad search copy or creative or user journeys that you're designing, that they truly resonate with the people that you are marketing to. And I'm there with you. When I was at Bath & Body Works managing digital, when I worked for several startups in Manhattan, I was behind spreadsheets, I was putting decks together, every day was full of meetings, and I wish, in retrospect, that I had gotten out there more often, that I spent a much bigger part of my day actually talking to customers and understanding why they were using my product versus somebody else's. And that's exactly what Brian is talking about. He shared with me a specific example of how during COVID, when he couldn't have those one-on-one -on -one interactions, he found a number of innovative ways to still stay in the conversation, to understand the voice of customer. And I'm really excited to share those stories with you today. Thanks for joining me. From Delve Deeper, this is Narrow Lanes. So Brian, welcome to Narrow Lanes. I'm really excited to have you here with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for the conversation. So the idea for this conversation and this podcast really came from my reflections over the last 25 years, which has been my marketing journey. And I had this aha moment several years ago that whether I want to create, let's just say, exceptional value, and that means different things to different people, for myself, for my family, for the people I know in my community or at work, that comes with some degree of obsession, but also sacrifice. There's something that I need to really be all in on, but there is, there is a cost to that. Something has to give. Something has to be said no to. And I'll give you a personal example, and I'd love to hear from you as well to frame the conversation. So, for example, this is a new year. We are in January, and one of my goals for my family, I have three daughters who are 8, 14, and 20, and I really want to generate more value in our relationships by spending more time with them. So I decided to be obsessed about spending one-on-one -on -one time with every single one of them for at least two, three days this year. 
So I may go camping with one of them. I may go to a conference with my oldest daughter. But I think what I have to sacrifice is just this realization that in order to make these things happen, like I have to plan it. Like I have to actually put time aside, right? And this value of spending more time is about being really hard-assed about meeting them for two, three days and spending time alone. But I just have to put out time and effort to actually like do it and organize it. Does something like this that's personal come up for you? Yeah, I mean, I think we all about, you know, I mean, I think it's all about balance, right? So, you know, we spend our lives sort of figuring out what's important to us and then work from there and to, to, to sort of separate our time and allocate it accordingly, right? I mean, let's face it, every day of every hour of every week, right, we could be working if we so choose to. But the realities of that is there is a balance that we need to achieve in our lives. And whether it's with your children or, you know, for me, it's uh, exercising and making sure that we get out and do things that actually are things that make me feel good, right? Clear your head a little bit so that you can be the best of what you're trying to do every day when you show up and you show up in the full capacity versus just being half into a conversation or half out. So I completely agree with you. And it, it's about prioritization and, and balance. I mean, I really do think that's what it boils down to. And, and in your personal experience, you know, whether it's at work or in your personal life, is prioritization something that, like, is there a dark side to it when you have to prioritize things? Again, whether that's at work or, or, or at home, is there, does something have to give to be able to prioritize? Always. Always. Right. I mean, I think we're crazy to think that we don't. Right. It, but but it gets to a point of something has to give. But at that point, is it like the long term impacts of that um, outweigh the short term impacts? Right. Mm -hmm. so, so the long term of that balance and that prioritization is better than sort of the short term, just immediate effects that you get, because I believe long term if you can prioritize things and you make time for things that are important to you in your life, you will be a better person and you will be able to achieve a lot more in a long-term capacity. Makes sense. So let's switch gears to um, you and your professional journey. This idea of the, the need to create value comes with obsession and sacrifice is something that we're going to circle back towards soon. Now, you are right now at BrightSign. You guys provide digital signage solutions. I think you guys are on the strip in Las Vegas and in many retail locations. But you were, you were at Panasonic Connect in the VP of marketing role before this and at Verizon Wireless. What's been your career journey? How did you get into this role? What had to happen as a lead up to you being in a CMO role at BrightSign. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting because I've had a great career. Um, I've had a lot of, um, I've had a lot of great experiences. I've worked for some great people, worked for some great companies. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about what I did want and what I didn't want, right, as I progressed through my career. And it was more, to be honest with you, um, the thing that I love about BrightSign is I have the abilities to be hands-on. Uh, we are a smaller company. Uh, we have a little over 100 employees. So it allows me the opportunity to really dig in and actually firsthand 
be involved in projects versus, you know, looking at them from afar and spending my time in conference rooms and boardrooms delivering decks on sort of strategy and approaches. I can actually work to facilitate strategies and approaches. But going back to what you were saying, you know, as you look at it from a career perspective, it was about prioritizing what is really important to me. So is it that I want to be working for that big company where that's all I did was that, you know, that focus on making sure that the deck is prepared for the next board or whatever meeting, or did I really want to impact the business? And for me, the choice was to have an impact on business and and have a direct impact on it, be able to put my stamp on certain things where I could go back and say that, you know, those were conversations that I was actively a part of and part of the collaboration that took place in order for us to achieve those outcomes. And look, that totally makes sense. I remember working for Bath and Body Works and 3,000, I think, stores, over 3 billion in revenues, and I was in a director of marketing role. And I, I really tried my best to create value and to prioritize properly, but I, I think the impact that I can have at Delve in this role is obviously different than when you work for a large corporation. Now, when you reflect on, on your career, were there any pivotal moments, one or several, and was there a lesson or a principle that you sort of walked away with? So was there something that did something happen that was where you may be going through uh, a, a big uh, shift in the industry and you had to make decisions that were tough or maybe it was, things were great and you learned something and there was a principle or a North Star that you walked away with from that experience? Yeah, I would say probably COVID was probably one of the biggest moments uh, from a career perspective. And career perspective as well as marketing approach perspective. And really the understanding that I came out of that was we were all fighting for people's time and we had to do it in a different way. And the reality of it was we sort of shifted from this concept of delivering a message that was the message we wanted to deliver versus a message around what people wanted to hear. And there's a big difference when you talk to audiences and you talk to them about what your objectives are versus trying to solve for potentially a pain point that they may be facing or a challenge that they may be facing. And understanding that we didn't have the luxury of time to be able to decide, okay, well, we want to talk to you about X, Y, or Z, Mm -hmm. but we had to make sure that we understood what it was their expectation of a conversation and deliver on that. That was a big moment for us because it shifted the way I look at all conversations we have today um, and probably something that was a little bit different in terms of the way that we approached markets from any role that I had prior. And are you saying that before COVID, this idea of messaging people in a way that was focused on what they wanted to hear about, that this was not as front and forward for you? Yeah. Why, and why is that? Well, I think because we, we realized through COVID that what we were seeing was 
we only had an opportunity, a very short window of opportunity to prove our point. And people's time was more important than it ever was because we're all trying to solve these huge challenges. And we also didn't have the luxury of conversations necessarily like this, right? Because we weren't in front of people. We were we were trying to have different conversations at different, you know, I'll give you an example. For us, we spent a ton of time um, in our lives at trade shows and events. And once that was gone, the question became, okay, how do we tell our brand story? Because we used to do that in a, in a trade show environment, but now we, ha- we couldn't do that any longer. So what was the way that we were going to do that? So we really had to understand the audiences probably more than we ever did. We didn't have the luxury of like chit chat that you could have, right? That as, as someone approached you in a booth where you could warm up to a conversation. You had to understand what the needs were and actually get right in there to be able to show the value you had to solve that particular pain point for that individual. So I think the luxury of time really became something that was more of a challenge um, and really focusing what our conversations were and our messages were. So what I'm hearing you say is that COVID in a strange way created this vacuum of input, like at yes. conferences, and it that quietness, that that peace, because data was cut off from coming in, forced you and your team to think about other ways to hear what was most important to your customers, and that really resulted in something positive. So it's almost something that was disruptive and, and sort of dysfunctional as it may have yes. appeared at first, actually had these unintended consequences. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Because as you looked at it, and as we we went through that period of time, you know, I think we also took for granted who our audiences were. We just assumed that they would be there. We just assumed that they would show up. We just assumed that they would listen to what we had to say. And quite honestly, it was now about them. It was how do we how do we help them progress in the things that they're how do we find new ways to communicate that message? It was a very interesting period of time and really created a, an amazing shift, quite honestly, I think, in the way that we went about business and do today as a result of it. So, you know, I, I've been doing digital since digital marketing since 1999. And, you know, that's been all about really initially my career sitting in front of a computer and pressing buttons, right? And it's spreadsheets and it's presentations. And what I realized over the years is that when a marketer is addicted to data that does fly at us and there's so much of it, it's actually very easy to forget that we are in fact communicating to human beings who look like just like us. They're, they're the same people that we are But it's easy to, I think, hide behind, again, spreadsheets, presentations, slide decks, meetings, when talking about results. And how often do we actually bring into the boardroom, or just a conversation, an actual perspective about, no, this human being wants value from me, and I need to express it this way, or it will not land. And no amount of spreadsheets can actually make a difference. Is that, yep. does that resonate or, or is it just yeah, my absolutely. perspective? But, 
but I think, and I think it goes beyond the boardroom, right? So when you start to look at some of the introductions of some of these social media platforms that even exist today, right? You know, these really well presented, you know, videos or any media that's really, you know, produced has actually become less important as people want to see things that are more like, I mean, look at how many people are out there shooting video as content on their phones or whatever the case may be. And it's not this big structured video approach. It's not all of this. It's really being, I think it goes back to just being authentic, right? You can't have an authentic conversation when it sits behind 110, 100 slides, right? In PowerPoint, that conversation gets lost because you're so focused on that data as you represent. Right. But when you start to be a little bit more authentic in it and you start to show who you are and some of it doesn't require perfection, it just it, it, that imperfection is actually the parts that make it relatable content. And that's the same thing with conversations. It doesn't have to be so structured. It can just be a one off conversation that can be incredibly powerful. And, and I think that's what we're seeing really resonates today, especially in the worlds that we're up. I mean, I definitely feel that COVID made us all, it gave us permission to be imperfect and authentic. Yes. I really like how you said that. Um, and, and I think it made us seek that. Now, when you think about BrightSign, I mean, you guys are a technology company, uh, but you also provide experiences. How does this principle of know it's important to actually listen to what is value and what's most important to the people that I'm providing this service to. How does that principle apply to your role at BrightSign? Did you have to change something? Was there a shift in thinking that this principle almost pushed you towards? Yeah. So it's interesting because BrightSign was founded off of a group of uh, folks that have engineering backgrounds. So very tied up in the whole concept of the technology because it's amazing technology, right? Um, our BrightSign OS platform is, you know, it, it's well known in the industry for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I had to shift that conversation because that's important, but only to a certain group of individuals. What we had to look at was what are the experiences that that technology can help create to an end user. So understanding exactly what do our customers want and what do their customers want out of an interaction with them as a brand? And then how does the product play into that in order to be able to achieve that? So rather than going at things at the approach of speeds and feeds and all the great qualities that we have as a product, which we do, and that's great in certain environments, but that doesn't help us in terms of being able to create the experience, the customer experience that everybody's grabbing for. Because at the end of the day, when you walk into a retail establishment or a corporate establishment or a public spaces, the goal of that is to try to capture you as an audience, right? What do, what do I do to help make that experience even better than it was a week ago, a year ago, whatever the time frame was? And, and that's, that's the focus of what we shift. And that's, that's an understanding of, again, going back to what does that audience want? Not what do we want to show that audience, but what is that audience's expectation of that moment and how do we help deliver and achieve that? So just give me, give me a specific example. If you, 
when you came into the company, and by the way, we are talking about Brightsign, but I think that this applies to any, whether your time at Verizon, Panasonic, or anywhere else, or my time at Digitas, or Bath and Body Works, and, and a bunch of startups in Manhattan. I actually think this is a very universal point, which is why I want to zoom in on this. Give me an example of a situation where, when you came into Brightsign, what did your team tell you? In, in their you know, mind was the value proposition statement to the, to the audience or the customer versus how did you shift it versus what is it now? So yeah. what did they yeah. think was most important versus what have you been evangelizing as really, in fact, being most important today? Yeah, so I mean, we very heavily focused and we still do today, right? On reliability, uh, security, uh, sustainability of our products, all really very important things, right? That we have in regards to that. But we've just shifted that conversation, right? And, and, and established sort of even what our mission is as an organization, right? And, and, and that goes to empowering businesses to be able to attract, engage, and captivate audiences by bringing digital signage to life, right? So it's a very different conversation, but without the reliability, securability, sustainability of the product, you can't achieve that. But we don't lead with that. That's not the conversation that I'm out there having. I'm trying to communicate that, yes, we have this great product and those are all really good qualities and characteristics of the product. But the reality of it is, is the ultimate of what I'm trying to do is attract, engage and captivate audiences um, to make that customer experience that much better. So, you know, this is how, how it resonates in my business. And this is why I think this is, in fact, a universal point that you're making. So I just came out of a two-day executive leadership session where, you know, typical thing, you talk about last year, this year, but how we changed the, the conversation over the last 48 hours is, is this. We decided to not focus on tasks and instead focus on what is the value that we generate to the client, the brands we serve, and what is the value that we generate for our team from their perspective. So what is the client truly valuing in a relationship with us and what is the team need? And it's all the, the idea is to maximize the light with clients and maximize engagement with the team. Now, it's been interesting because that is exactly, I think, about listening to the audience and working backwards from what's most important to them. And to your point, reliability and it's sustainable, so on and so forth. Like in my business, being on time, doing what we said we'll do, being reliable, that's table stake. But why? What am I working backwards from? And to your earlier point, I do think that's about having a principle and understanding what do they care about? Because then the message that I'm sharing with them is one that they kind of want to hear because it's most important to them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's funny because when I was in pre or prior roles that I had, you know, some of the conversations, we used to get caught up in these conversations. 
mm-hmm. and would sit in these these meetings for hours on end, having this circle conversation. That just and you mean at Verizon, Panasonic, or other at places? Panasonic, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so I think it is universal, right? But you know, you would always go back to the the one question that said, "How does this impact the customer, or mm-hmm. does it impact the customer?" Because if the answer to that was no, end of meeting. Right. There's no need for us to continue this conversation because at the end of the day, our goal is that customer. That's everybody's focus. It doesn't matter where you are, what business you're in. At the end of the day, you're trying to create the most positive experience for your customers, your customers, customers. And how do you achieve that? That that's the focus. That has to be our focus. So how did that clarity around I need to understand what the customer cares about. And then I need to be clear that I can deliver on what they need. And then I need to message in a way that resonates with them. How did that, let's call it obsession, that clarity of focus, deliver value at Brightsign? What was an emergent outcome? Was it about you know costs, revenue, faster time to close? Did, did that change something in terms of actually business value that you guys have been able to generate? Well, I think it, I think it helps us in terms of getting back to our very initial point, which was prioritization, right? Okay. It allows you to prioritize everything within the business, um, whether that's from a product development perspective or that's a partner relationship or partner program relationships that we have to how we handle ourselves from marketing tasks and events and things that we're doing there. So I, th- I think it really does allow and, and allow us to help prioritize better sort of the things that we're working on within the organization to make sure that it's solving for the needs that exist versus the ones that we think exist um, and, and might not, right? That, that's really where I think the value and the shift is taken. Can you share an example of... Maybe there was a meeting, maybe you guys were looking at sort of what is on your feature list that you want to launch and using the lens of what's most important to the customer, you decided to move something to the top of the list and then something else had to be sacrificed. Yeah, I mean, so here's what I would say, right? So, you know, we have a lot of different relationships that we have um, with partners, with um our customers with, with all of that. And I think one of the things that we've been able to do is understand better some of the trends that are happening um, and what the industry expectations are, right, of digital signage as an, as an overall, right? So we had to step back and say, okay, these are the areas where we see opportunity in the market, which are, are you know, there's a, there's a ton of them I could go on. I mean, we've got, you know, we have uh, new emerging applications that are happening in retail and banking in sports arenas and entertainment in you know, um, uh, immersive in- environments that are, that are popping up everywhere. You know, you see all these museum exhibits and, and I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And so, you know, as we started to look through a lot of those, you know, we, we started to, to say, okay, what becomes our priorities? Like what are the strategic initiatives that we as an organization are focused on and challenged with? Because those are the things that help us align. And, and, and once we were able to accomplish that, right. And this is, this is basic business 101, right. But it's, it's, it's kind of being realistic about it, right. Because 
it is business 101, but how many people actually do it and actually implement against it, right, to, to see success? So what we did was we looked at that and then said, okay, well, yes, it's great that we have this happening over here. We have a customer that's specifically looking for this feature set, but does that solve the need of a larger industry that we're trying to work with? And if not, then we might have to table that. And a part of that is also establishing a level of comfort to be able to say no. Yeah. Or not at this time. Tell right? me more. Tell can't. me more about that. Like, what, what do you mean level of comfort to say? Is it is it uncomfortable to say no? I mean, I think so. I think so. I think it's uncomfortable for anybody to say no. But the reality of that is, as you are trying to solve for needs in the market, you again have to prioritize what is the most important and does that align with the strategic initiatives that we have as a business? Because if they don't align with those strategic initiatives in order to get us where we're ultimately trying to get to, to help move the digital signage industry forward, then you have to say no. And, and it's okay to, or, or, or say no for now, I guess is probably a better way of saying it because. Probably softer. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't necessarily mean no forever. It just yes. means for now that doesn't align with where we are, but it's better than leaving people thinking that something's going to happen that is not hmm. going to happen because it's not possible. So I think there's in, in that process of prioritizing, I think there's also a level of of responsibility to be able to be transparent in that process and be forthcoming to be able to say, this is the, where we're at and these are the reasons why. So, you know, if I was to take a step back, what I'm hearing you say is that, yes, in fact, to deliver exceptional value, which again, that can be different things to different people in the role of a marketing leader that ability to and willingness to listen to the customer and have messaging and, and align my whole team to zoom in on speaking to a customer in a way that resonates with them, that focus of limited time and money and resources is about having prioritization. But I almost feel like it's as important to know what to say no to. I, I almost feel like, you know, if a meeting started with, hey, before we focus on what we want to do, let's, let's talk about what we will not do and why. I yeah. wonder that, how that would change the conversation. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. Because the reality of it is, is you know, when you look at the, the breadth of us, we're a global organization. So we have needs coming to us from around the globe and we just can't, it's impossible for any business. doesn't matter who you are. I I've said this for years during my time while I was with Panasonic Connect, it's impossible to be everything to everybody. And as a brand, you have to know who you are and you have to know where your strengths are. And those are the things that you have to be actively promoting and messaging against. But to try to message and be everything to everybody is never going to be a successful plan. It never works. Um, it's, it, it's just physically impossible. But if you know who you are and you can promote those strengths and you can capture those in your messaging, in your deployments, in your tactical executions, you will win. 
That that is very clear. And to add to that, I think what you're saying is that when you know who you are and you know who you are not, it is easier to decide what not to do and yes. what truly be all in all. And we just call it prioritization. But it's really the art of saying no and the obsession with doing fewer things better that you will say yes to. Yeah. yeah. And it's all about being relevant, right? Relevant to the conversation, relevant to the needs of the business. You know, nobody wants you to just dabble a little bit in any one area. You know, for me, it's, it is a very much a go big or go home type mentality, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're going to dive in, dive in and give it a hundred percent or don't bother because nobody has the time for that. And, and I think you have to be respectful of that. You can't try to be everything. It's just impossible. And to wrap this point up, is there a tangible example that you could share? And I don't understand who else Brightsign competes with. I assume that there are several players in the market, as there always typically are. But is there something that you guys are really outstanding at because you have that clarity about what's most important to the, to both the, the customer and the audience that that customer serves. And, and you're also therefore willing to have the courage to say no to something. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly for the thing that outstands, that stands us apart from everybody that's in this space is our operating system itself, right? The reliability of that. And what does that mean from a digital signage perspective, right? You know, the reliability of the OS that we have, Brightsign OS, it's self-healing. It does all of those things. So the player always knows exactly what it's supposed to be doing at all times. And if it's not doing that, it'll resync. So you don't end up seeing like a blue screen as an example, right? Yes. So what does that mean to an end user? Well, if you're going into a retail establishment and they're promoting something that's there, having a blue screen isn't going to help them with their business. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're doing 3D wayfinding or 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 navigation or, or anything like that that you're working with, if people can't interact with a kiosk to be able to do that, then that defeats the whole purpose of that technology being in place. So the reliability for us is one thing that is absolutely the key to who we are and what we've done and why we've been successful all along. Now, that's the power behind digital signage. There's another element to this, which is okay. Well, amazing content is what drives the experience. So we're not a content provider. That's not what we have. We have plenty of partners that do that. So for us, what we do is we focus on the hardware. We focus on what that's capable of doing. And then we build and have built an ecosystem of partners who can help complement the rest of that in order to be able to achieve the ultimate moment, which is the experience itself. So what I'm hearing you say is that you decided to go all in, all in on being an expert at the hardware, software side of, of what you provide, and you made a very clear choice. And I'm sure there were temptations to go in the direction, but you actually decided that you are not in the content business, which would be a natural extension, I assume, for Brightsign sure. to do that. But you guys don't do that. Right. It's the hardware and the software. That's our focus. And then we work with other partners who actually pull the actual content piece to life. Understood. Now, if I was to take a step back and if you were to look at your, your entire career and let's take a proverbial deep breath, had you known what you have uncovered 
so clearly during COVID that it's important to listen, that it's important to work backwards from what the customer needs, and it's important to know who you are and who you are not. Do you think that your career would have gone in a different direction or something different would have happened had you had that insight 10, 20 years ago? Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, would my career have gone in a different direction? I don't know that it would have. I think what I, I think it goes back to the amount of hours that were spent trying to solve problems that were problems internally versus what the external world was looking for probably would have been very different. I probably would have saved myself many hours, many agonizing evenings, right? Trying to get certain things to to be done that didn't really matter, right? So I, I think that would have probably, so I think, you know, I think probably not as much professionally as much personally, I think I would have been able to achieve a lot better balance in life. Um, had I known that because I would have looked at things very differently and probably not spent the hours that I would have doing it. But I don't think my career would have changed because I think as marketers, we're always looking at new ways, right? So there's always, you know, when you look at the digital world, right? When you look at the impacts of social, when you look at the, you know, all the things that we have right now, um, I don't know that it would have changed my career, probably would have just changed my perspective in the way I approach certain situations. I think that's a great way to wrap up our conversation. Brian, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Brian Rowley is the Chief Marketing Officer of BrightSign, a provider of digital signage solutions. Brian, thank you so much. Happy New Year. And um, thank you. Thank you. And Happy New Year to you, too. I really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to have it. So thank you. Super. Super.